Lord, we believe that you're here to do special things tonight, God. God, we believe you're here to, to speak to us, God, and give us a fresh revelation of the cross. Because at the cross, God, everything changes. Everything changes in our individual lives. Everything changes in this church. Everything changes in the church throughout the world. And so, Lord, I pray, God, that in, in, in the days that we're living in, God, when we need such a move of your spirit, God, when we need you to speak to us more than ever, God, I pray that tonight you would meet us. Lord, that you would open our ears to hear, you would open our hearts to receive what you're saying to us, God. And God, we just, we just all come right now, we come to a place of, of repentance, Lord. And we just turn to you, Jesus, because we're all lost without you. And we declare, God, how much that we need you tonight. And Holy Spirit, we invite you right now to do whatever you choose to do. We give you complete control in our lives and in our hearts. And we say, speak whatever you need to speak. Do whatever you need to do. Change whatever you need to change. Turn over whatever you need to turn over in our hearts tonight, God. And Lord, help us to focus completely on you, Jesus, and what you've done for us at the cross. And God, we thank you for what you've come to do. And we ask, God, that you would just, that you would finish your work in us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated just for a moment. just want to share a little bit. You can give me a, take this mic down just a little bit. It's, I just want to share a little bit with you because this is, this is Good Friday and this is the day that, that we, not just the day that we celebrate the cross because every day we're called to take up our cross, but this is the day that we come together to focus intentionally on what Jesus did for us on the cross. And we believe that, that is, that's the central point of our faith, that the cross is where everything changed. That's where our faith is rooted. That's where the foundation of our faith is. And the scripture says that by one sacrifice, Jesus perfected forever those who are being sanctified. That means when Jesus died on the cross, when he cried out, it is finished, he meant that he had done a, a, a perfect work. It meant completely complete, perfectly perfect it was finished. Everything that we owed, the debt we owed was paid in full. It was done and he declared that it was finished. But see, that work is perfect, but we're not. And the Christian life is about seeing the cross and learning to step into the fullness of the victory of what Jesus has paid for us to have. And this is the message that we preach. We don't have another message because we can't change people. We believe that the only thing that can change people is the cross. And the Bible says that the message of the cross, it's foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. And you know, whenever Jesus was crucified on the cross, the cross was not a good thing. The cross was a horrific symbol. The, the cross was a symbol of torture. But now we look at the cross and we see it as a symbol of hope and we see it as a symbol of infinite love. We see it as not only the place where God's justice was poured out, because it was, against our sin, but even more so it's where God's love for us was revealed. And He revealed to us that even though we had sinned against Him, even though we had rebelled and went totally in another direction, that He loved us so much that He was willing to pay the ultimate price for us to be redeemed. You know, there's a, there's a scripture that we've been reading a lot the past several weeks. I want you to read it with me just for a moment, if you will, because I believe when we read these scriptures, it can, it, just for a moment, the Holy Spirit can take us to the cross. In Luke, Luke 23... This is when finally they had, they had already tried Jesus by a legal trial. They had 
beaten him. They had put a crown of thorns on his head. They had mocked him. And by this time he was beaten so badly that he could barely stand. And he had to have a man help him carry the cross to Golgotha where he was going to be crucified. And finally when he's crucified it says that one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. And as we read through this, I want you to notice because there's different people at the cross and they're all called to respond. Now, some people don't respond to the cross. But what I've come to find is that is that Jesus is always calling us to respond to the cross. And I believe that this this thief was the first one that actually made a response, a positive response to the cross. And then the next verse says, but the other answering rebuked him, saying, do not you even fear God, seeing you're under the same condemnation. And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now it was about the sixth hour and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. This was noon to 3 p.m. Darkness began to settle in. And it says, then the sun ceased to shine. It was darkened. And the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. So when the centurion saw what had happened, he glorified God, saying, Certainly this was a righteous man. And the whole crowd who came together to that site, seeing what had been done, they beat their breasts in return because of what they had seen. It says, but all of his acquaintances and the women who followed him, and we'll find out later in another gospel that one of these women was Mary Magdalene at the cross. It says, they stood at a distance watching these things. And it says, now behold, there was a man named Joseph of the Sanhedrin, a council member, a good and just man. And he had not consented to their decision and deed. He was from Arimathea and a city of the Jews, who himself was also waiting for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen, and laid it in a tomb that was hewn out of the rock where no one had ever lain before. You know, the past several weeks I've been reading through these these same scriptures over and over again, and I've preached several messages on them, and I've been just trying to to get to the place where I can see the cross and I can see what was happening. And and just, just yesterday I was reading through this, and I noticed that there were four specific people that that respond positively to the cross. Because the Lord spoke to me and He says, you know, here's what I want you to understand because when you guys meet together and you meet together in unity and you begin to pray, I want you to understand that that I have sealed my promise in my blood. That when you pray, things happen. But I'm asking you every day of your life to learn to respond to the cross. And it says in these scriptures that when Jesus was hanging on the cross, something very special happened. And it didn't look special at all in the beginning because as he hung there, it says that darkness began to settle in around him. And I believe that on the cross, Jesus entered into our darkness in all of its fullness. The sun itself ceased to shine because all of the sin of the world was placed on one man in one moment of time at that central point in history. And as he hung there, he became, he took our place, he stood in our place, he took our sin He took our punishment. He took our shame and our rejection and our rebellion and everything that had broken us and everything that had shattered our lives. He became that on the cross. And the scripture said when he cried out and said it is finished that there was a great earthquake 
and the veil that was in the temple tore from top to bottom. Now, that was a, that, that was a crazy thing that happened because that veil in the temple, it was 60 feet high. It was 30 feet wide, and they say that it was four inches thick, that there's no way you could have torn this veil. But see, not only was it torn, but it was torn from top to bottom as if to say, this is not man's work. This is not from earth to heaven. This is God's work from heaven to earth. And the high priests, they were the only ones at that time that could go behind this veil into the presence of God because that's where the presence of God was. That's where they would sprinkle the blood on on, on the mercy seat and the sins of all the people would be atoned for. But Jesus was saying, I'm putting a death to that old way of religion. And I'm making a new way. And I'm tearing that veil. And that veil represented everything that separated you and I from God. Everything that separated us from the presence of God. That veil represented our sin. It represented our curse. It represented our rebellion, our shame, our rejection, our abandonment. It represented our division and our hatred for one another. Represented all those things, all those things that kept us from God. It was torn in two. And I believe in that moment that grace was released. And you see, you see that, 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 that immediately these, these people that are around the cross, they begin to respond. Now, not everybody responds positively because not everybody does always respond positively to the cross. But the first person that we see respond is this thief that's on the cross. And he was there because... Because he had stolen some things, but specifically he was an insurrectionist, which meant that he stole from Romans in order to give to the poor. And so there was already a divide among those that would respond to Jesus because when he responds to Jesus, what's so interesting is Matthew's gospel says that not moments before he was blaspheming Jesus alongside of everybody else. But when that veil tore and when Jesus cried out, something happened in those moments that somehow grace penetrated his heart just for a moment of time. And all of a sudden his heart was opened. And I believe I believe when the church gets a revelation of the cross that all of a sudden grace begins to flow out from behind the veil to penetrate hearts of people that are blaspheming Jesus, that don't know Jesus, that reject Jesus. But grace begins to pierce just through some crack that it finds in their hearts and they'll begin to cry out just as this man did. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. And now you see a man that would have hated this this criminal and even Jesus, likely. A Roman centurion at that very same moment, he is, he's sitting at the, at the bottom. Now, Scripture would reveal that the only reason this centurion would have even been there was because he was overseeing the whole thing. Centurions were captains over hundreds. And there probably would have been only this one centurion there because he was overseeing the beating of Jesus. He was carrying out Pilate's orders. And if there was any one man that was totally responsible for the pain that Jesus would suffer, it was that centurion. He was the one that ordered the beating. He was the one that ordered the nails to be put into his hands and feet and ultimately for him to be crucified. But something happened when that veil tore. Something happened and grace was released. I don't know when it happened or or necessarily what happened. But all of a sudden, the scripture says when he looked at the cross, he began to glorify God. A man that likely worshipped idols before that, that called Caesar God. And all of a sudden, he glorifies the one true God and praises him and says, surely this man was the son of God. And something changes in his heart. He responds positively to the cross. We go a little bit further and it says that there were women. Now notice this because guess where the disciples were? Other than John, they had all fled. 
That's what's so interesting about the cross is Jesus turns everything upside down on its head. The the people that you think would be there are not there. And the people that you don't think would be there are there. And that's often how it happens in the kingdom of God. Jesus reverses everything. And all of a sudden, you see Mary Magdalene. And I, I love this maybe more than anything because Mary Magdalene was a woman that the scripture says that Jesus had cast seven demons out of her. And she's at the cross. And I believe she's at the cross, not fleeing like the other disciples because she didn't have anything to live for other than Jesus at this point. She had experienced freedom only through him. And the scripture would reveal probably that she was a a woman of no reputation whatsoever, a harlot, sold her body for money. She She had seven demons that she was delivered from, which would reveal that she was likely abused. She had been tormented in her life. She had made terrible decisions. But when she met a man named Jesus, everything changed. And she was at the foot of that cross looking at Jesus, responding positively to the finished work, and she saw the price that had been paid for her to live in freedom. And she said, you know, I've been with a lot of men, but no man has ever loved me like that man. And she responds positively. And finally, the last one that we see is Joseph of Arimathea. Now, this guy's interesting because he's different than all the other ones as well. Joseph of Arimathea, he was a member of the Sanhedrin. These were the dudes that decided to put Jesus to death. These were the guys crying out to Pilate, crucify him. But Joseph of Arimathea, the scripture says in John that he was a secret disciple. So he was kind of hiding out because he didn't want to ruffle anybody's feathers with the group that he was in. He was a religious man. Sometimes we have religious people that don't want to ruffle anybody's feathers. And they want to hide. They want to be secret about certain things. But at this point, he sees the cross and he says, you know what? I'm willing to come out in the open for that man. And for him, it was risky to ask Pilate for the body of Jesus because he would have been revealing that he was a follower of Jesus. And likely after that point, the Sanhedrin would have kicked him out, renounced him, and said, you can't be with us anymore, man. Because he was revealing that he believed in who Jesus was. Because nobody could take the body other than a family member. And you see all these people responding at once. Now, here's the most interesting thing is every single one of them came from a different background. They had differences. They had different beliefs. The Roman was far right. He was putting to death the criminal who was far left. The criminal would have stolen from the Roman. The Sanhedrin Joseph, he was right somewhere in the middle. He was just trying to get along with everybody. He was on both sides. And if you put them in a room, they would have argued about theology and doctrine and so many different things because they saw the world different. And then Mary, she wasn't even worthy to be in the same room as them as far as they were concerned. But all four from different spheres and different areas of life, they meet at the cross and all of a sudden when the veil is torn, there's a tsunami of God's grace and God's love and God's mercy that levels everything. Let me tell you something. I don't care where you've come from, what your past is, what denomination you're from, if you're a religious leader, if you're a nobody, the cross levels everything. It puts us on the same ground. It gives us the same opportunity. And Jesus declares to every single individual on the face of the planet, look, I've made a full payment. The veil is torn. There's nothing holding you back anymore from me. You have open and free access. No longer does the priest have to go into the high temple, into the temple once a year, behind the curtain once a year. He says, now the Holy of Holies is on the inside of you. This is where the presence of God dwells. The blood of Jesus does such a work in us that when the Holy Spirit looks at us, He says, you know what, Jesus, you have cleansed them so well. They're so clean and so pure. I want to live on the inside of them. And see, the cross 
is the most beautiful thing that's ever happened. It's, it's God's justice, but God's love revealed more than anything. His love for us, the price that he's willing to pay. And what we have to ask ourselves is, are we willing to respond? Because some of you, you're at the point where you're a lot like the centurion, and I think we all are. I think we are all responsible for the pain of Jesus with our sin. Maybe, maybe some of us are, are like Mary. We feel worthless. We carry shame. In our lives, we deal with those things. We struggle with those things. And Jesus is saying right now, if you'll respond, I can heal you. I can set you free. I can deliver you of those things. And then, of course, maybe some of us are religious leaders. And God is calling us into something deeper. Maybe God is calling us to step out into something even further like Joseph of Arimathea. And it's time for us to respond. Now, we're going to receive communion together. And, and, and if, you, uh, if you don't have one, would you, uh, would, would you get this and take this out? Because communion is a way that I believe we respond to what Jesus has done for us. It's a way that we respond to the cross. Because the night before he went to the cross, he instituted the Lord's Supper. Now, if there's anybody that doesn't have one of these, would you just raise your hand and we'll get you one really quickly. Just raise your hand up high and let us know so we can get one to you real quick. See, even though these, these elements are just kind of cheap, they're in plastic, but what we believe is that by faith, this is the body, this is the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of what I've done for you on the cross. And Paul said something really, really special to the Corinthians because sometimes when they would take communion together, what they would do is they wouldn't care for one another. They would take, take it before one another. They would set somebody on the outside and... Sometimes they'd even get drunk, but he said, look, what you need to understand when you receive this communion is that you are one body and one bread. And I love that because tonight we're going to be praying for unity. And, and even though we're here at City of Hope Church, listen, we, we believe that the church is, is something far bigger than any one building or any one pastor or any one group. And we're thankful that people from different churches are here because we are in this thing together. And I believe God is doing something in these in the days that we're living in where he is tearing in that veil that's being torn. He's tearing the division and he's tearing the separation and he's breaking all those things. And he's helping people to realize that it's not about the denomination that you're a part of, but it's about the fact that you are a part of the body of Christ. And I believe he's bringing us into unity through that. You know, I believe that when Jesus, Jesus' body was broken, Paul said, listen, many of you are, are weak, many of you are sick, many of you are dying prematurely because when you take the cup, you take it ritualistically and you're not discerning the Lord's body. You're not thinking about truly what Jesus did because in his body, he took our sickness, he took our disease, he took our pain, he took our sin, he took everything. And with his blood, we have forgiveness. And so, so he, he took a moment, even with the disciples, and he, and, he, and he said to him, you know, one of you will betray me tonight. And you know what it caused them to do? It caused them all to turn inwardly just for a moment. To say, Lord, is it I? And this is why Paul says, when you take it, examine yourself. Not, not to the extent that there's condemnation there, or that God would reject you. Listen, some people say, well, you don't want to take it if you're unworthy. None of us are worthy. Jesus invites everybody to his table. We believe that. If you come with a sincere heart of repentance and faith in Jesus, we believe that he invites everybody to the table. And he says, I want you to come, I want you to eat, I want you to drink. And I want you to do this in remembrance of me. So would you stand just for a moment? And I want you to, I'm just going to give you just a few moments, just to bow your head, just to close your eyes. 
And just consider what you want to bring to the Lord in this moment. How do you need to respond to the cross? I imagine there's something that you need to lay down that that the Lord is saying, I'm putting my finger on that and I'm asking you to lay that down. That's something that you've allowed to keep keep us separated. It's come in between us. And I need you to lay that down now. But also there's something in your life that, that you need to receive. You need to see the full revelation of what Jesus died for you to have on the cross. Because we're living under our rights as children of God. He wants to fill you with His Holy Spirit. He wants to transform your life. I believe that we can receive that right now. And so, Father, we just ask you right now to come. And as we receive, Holy Spirit, I I pray that you would bless these elements as we receive the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for what you've done. In Jesus' name, you can open it up. take that would you just put that you could put that in your seat just for a moment I want you to take somebody by the hand next to you and Lord we just I want you to pray for those people next to you on either side of you father right now we just pray for our brothers and sisters God because we all come from different places in life but at the cross everything is washed away everything is made new And so, Lord, we pray for healing, spirit, soul, and body in our brothers and sisters right now, God. I pray that you would fill them afresh with your Holy Spirit and with your goodness. We plead the blood of Jesus over their lives and over their families and over their children, God. And we declare freedom into their life right now in Jesus' name. And God, we ask you to begin to move in not only this church, God, but the church all around, God. And there's so many churches that are represented in this house tonight, God. And what we speak and what we pray for, God, is unity. That we would have a revelation that we are one body, that we are one bread in you, that we are the body of Christ, that we are the people of God, that we are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. And God, just over these next few moments, God, as we begin to pray and intercede, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would stir in our hearts, God, and that you would move in us and that you would speak through us, God, and that we would see clearly what you've done for us. We thank you, Lord, and we just receive everything that you have for us right now in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to worship together just one song, and then we're going to move into the next next portion of the service. So if you would, just remain standing. Let's worship God together for a moment.